This is the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. The podcast for curious and passionate dental hygienists. Hello, Kara Vabrowski here with Today's RDH, and I am here with the wonderful and incredible Emily Bogey, who is a dental administrative chair and director of dental hygiene in the dental assisting programs at Hawkeye Community College in Waterloo, Iowa. And today we are going to continue our preventive discussion series sponsored by Dents by Sarona, talking about the importance of proper handpiece sterilization. Hello, my friend. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you? I'm great. Good. So before we get started, um, I want to say that we are focusing on proper handpiece sterilization because according to the current CDC guidelines, this is what we know for sure right now. Um, there's been many questions about what the new guidelines will be once hygienists return back to work and, you know, the craziness calm down, um, calms down. You know, should hygienists cover their hair? Um, should, should they be wearing a disposable gown and changing it for every patient instead of just when it's visibly soiled? Or should hygienists now be wearing N95 ventilator masks um, during high procedure, high aerosol procedures instead of an ASTM level three mask? Um, what about the aerosols that remain in the air um, for what's looking like ours um, after our mask has been re removed and the next patient is now seated? Um, right now, please take note of the date of this interview. Um, the CDC has only interim guidelines for treating patients for, immediate, for emergency procedures only. Mm -hmm. Simply put, the answers to these questions aren't available yet. So we could speculate what the new normal will be for treating patients um, in the short future, hopefully short, um, but it would just, it would be that. It would just be speculation. So we're just, we're not going to go there. Um, so this is why we are focusing on hand pieces this month, um, according to the guidelines that we have now. Um, how to properly sterilize hand pieces seems to be a question that just keeps coming up. And um, we just would like to lay it to rest or at least attempt to. Mm -hmm. All righty, Emily, are you ready to talk about the best practices for hand piece care this month? You know, I, I am. I am ready because before we get too deep into things, it's very important to acknowledge that we're giving you recommendations and these are the recommendations that are brought by the CDC and supported by OSAP. Yet it's really the best practices for anything, for all pieces that we use, for all dental hygienists, dentists, dental professionals, if you're listening, please consult your manufacturer for their item by item specific best practices. Um, and again, like, like you said, we don't want to speculate. We need to focus on what are the recommendations and how are we going to follow them. If the recommendations change and you already know best practices, then you're going to be so much further ahead of the game. So I think, you know, let's, let's consult with our manufacturers. Um, for the product-specific advice, but today we're going to talk about the CDC current recommendations. Yeah, that's right. It is critical to know what the manufacturer recommends um, because going against the recommendation could affect any warranty um, the company has in place. Right, and when I was reading up on this um, to just kind of put some stuff together that I wanted to talk about from the CDC, there weren't any changes in the science before we had this discussion, but I can tell you 
that there are so many handpiece manufacturers that it would really be impossible for us to talk about each of them individually. So like I said, we're going to go with, with the general recommendations today. Yeah, that's why the CDC makes their statements. So we have a universal approach um, to general safety recommendations and practice. Right, and, and these aren't new things. Um, I want to read a quote that's directly from the 1993 recommended infection control practices for dentistry report. So the CDC said, routine between patient use of a heating process capable of sterilization that's such as um, steam under pressure, like an autoclave, dry heat, um, heated vapor, like a statum. So some type of um, heating process that's capable of sterilization is recommended for all high-speed dental handpieces, low-speed handpiece components used intraorally, and re reusable prophylaxis angles. So the manufacturer's instructions for cleaning, lubrication, and sterilization procedures should be followed closely to ensure both the effectiveness of the sterilization process and the longevity of the instrument. According to the manufacturers, virtually all high-speed and low-speed handpieces in production today are heat tolerant. And most heat-sensitive models manufactured earlier can be retrofitted with heat-stable components. And what the CDC meant by that when they put that out in 93 was all the handpieces that are being made right now, the FDA is requiring that they are heat tolerant. Anything that you might have in the office that needs to be um, updated, there's parts available that you can retrofit. And for those of you not familiar with instrumentation language, retrofit just means order new parts and you can replace little parts and not the whole thing. And so that's an older statement, but still very valid. Yeah, so almost 30 years ago, this was the recommendation. Yet there are still offices who are just not complying with the removal and sterilization of hand pieces and hand piece motors. Yeah, and at, their, at that specific point in time, those recommendations had a significant body of research behind them. And the research that existed, you know, more than what, thir almost 30 years ago, supported the theory that microorganisms could first get trapped in the lines of the handpiece and motor and then be expelled into the mouth of the next patient on which the handpiece was used. So, Surface disinfection of the handpiece using a Vola wipe, a spray wipe spray, or wipe, discard wipe method was not sufficient even 30 years ago. Right. We had the science then, and we still have the science now. The internal component, the inside of that machine, um, it has these mechanical um, parts, and specifically when they're air-driven, low- or high-speed handpieces, they become contaminated because the patient produces all that, you know, microbiofilm and all that stuff gets sucked back into the handpieces. And for that reason, it's, it's not only critical to remove and sterilize these items, but it's also critical that dental professionals are purging the handpiece lines for 30 seconds after each patient use to remove all of that particulate and biofilm from the lines before the next patient is seated in the dental chair. Also, I think a critical component of today's conversation, um, when dental professionals run their lines, 
they not only remove that biofilm and particulate to keep the next patient healthy, but they decrease the microbial content of the aerosols that are produced that everyone in the office is breathing in all day. That adds to the importance of a two-minute waterline flush at the beginning and end of each day. Right. So it's not just the next guy who's sitting in the chair that's going to breathe that yucky stuff in. It's everybody in the building. And in addition to high-speed handpieces and slow-speed handpieces and laser handpieces, it's very important that we're using the same process to purge our ultrasonic scaling units and air water syringe lines because some people forget about that. And when people forget to run the lines on the other unit accessory items that are also equally contaminated and are critical for decreasing that microbial count in the aerosols and the spray and the splatters, that is so cumulative. So if you're thinking, you know, if you use three or four modalities of compressed air and water during the patient procedure, every single one of those needs to be purged before you can, you know, move on to the next next thing to do for the day. Yeah. Um, fortunately, many manufacturers have made significant changes to their product lines to account for high sterilization temperatures. Um, some companies have even created impenetrable motors in their hand pieces that can be covered with sterilizable sleeves that aren't attached to an air water line or like to the dental unit. Mm -hmm. um, so in these instances, the sleeves can be heat sterilized, slow speed tips can be disposed of, and motors can be wiped down. Now, not all motors have this capability, so this is a perfect example of the importance of reading your manufacturer's directions for use and care. Right, and it's also a perfect example of not assuming that the thing you used in hygiene school 20 years ago is the thing you're using today. And I find that people will say that to me when, you know, when I'm out lecturing. Well, when we were in school, we did this and this and this, and I said, well, are you using the exact same model of handpiece you used in school? But back in 2015, the CDC released an update guide for reprocessing medical devices in the healthcare setting. So this guide outlined best practices for disinfection of sterilization of various products. And the guidance document provided additional details on several aspects of medical device safety. And then they specifically outlined the steps for cleaning, disinfecting and sterilizing devices that attach to the air and the water unit lines and power devices that are exposed to mucous membranes and salivary contamination. Now I do want to say one thing about that. That document didn't really change the recommendations for before. It just provided some additional clarity. Yeah, that was the document that outlined critical, semi-critical, non-critical metal devices based on whether they penetrate tissue during their use. Right, and the document is 40 pages, and it had a lot of content um, with devices used all over medical care, not just um, dental devices. It was, it was instruments that physicians and podiatrists and everybody's using. Um, and it was, it was giving additional clarity to the why it was so important. Yeah, so the document that most referred to, that is most referred to by dental professionals, um, seems to be the 2003 guidelines um, in infection control in dental health care settings. Yeah, and that's, that's that 67-page document, and it's 76 pages. If you want to take the test, that's at the end of it that the CDC offers. You know, you read the first 67 pages, and to make sure that you comprehend it, there's a little test at the end that you can take. Um, 
but yeah, that's the main reference for infection prevention and my risk management courses too. That document is still considered um, to be our current best practices. In, in the overall summary of that document pertaining to hand pieces, um, lists that dental professionals should clean and disinfect any hand pieces and other intraoral instruments that can be removed from airlines and water lines of dental units and follow individualized instructions for reprocessing any devices that do not attach to air and water lines that come into contact with blood, saliva, or come into contact with mu mucous membranes. Um, this document also states if a dental handpiece cannot be heat sterilized and does not have FDA clearance, it should not be used. Right. And that is very, very important. That whole FDA approval process, that's a whole nother discussion in itself. I have a whole course actually all about that. Um, in several of my CE programs, I talk about how important it is to buy American made products or products from reputable companies who have done their legwork to receive FDA approval on the products they're selling for use in the United States. Part of that approval process, part of that FDA clearance is having the MSDS sheets and having a clear outline of what you need to do to take care of that. And, you know, it opens up a whole new world of liability and, and risk management risk, like actual risk to your patients, to you, to your whole team, when you don't use equipment that what is what's considered standard by the FDA. If you're using substandard equipment, that opens you up to whew, a whole world of risk. Yeah. Um, and that will perhaps be a discussion for another day. Right. Um, because we are running out of time. Um, so again, I want to thank and give a shout out to Dent Supply Serona for supporting this video and to all of you for watching. Um, thank you, Emily. And, and I just want to say to everybody, especially right now, that we are all in this together. So everything is crazy. Fear of the unknown is the worst fear of all which now we can kind of understand our dental patients who haven't been to the office in a while because now we really understand fear of the unknown firsthand if we hadn't before. Um, so to everybody, I just want to say stay healthy and take care. Thank you for listening to the Today's RDH Dental Hygiene Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.